Hello and welcome to the Miko Bits show. And I'm your host, Miko Bits. And today we have Beryl, who is from Yield Guild Games or YGG. And YGG is the premier gamer guild for play to earn gaming. And this is a really astonishing phenomenon. And it absolutely will change the balance of power in the blockchain gaming and NFT space. So I think that this will be a tremendously interesting show. Previously, we did have uh, Gabby, who is also a co-founder of YGG. And so, you know, this will be exciting to go a little deeper and to understand more about this amazing phenomenon of play to earn. So uh, welcome, Beryl. Welcome to the Miko Bits Show. Hi, thank you, Miko. Uh, really great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. So, uh, you know, for those who missed the first episode with Gabby, can you explain what the problem that YGG solves? Right. So, uh, we, so in the Philippines, I'll give you an example. In the Philippines, we actually have um, a number of um, emerging players. Uh, from provinces and um, to be able to enter um, a game in, um, for example, Axie Infinity, you need three battle axes, right? Which used to cost 150 US dollars uh, late last year. And now that has actually uh, increased to 450 US dollars. And because of COVID and um, a number of people um, unemployed right now, um, they are unable to um, afford it, you know? Um, so YGG comes in and, uh, provides like scholarships, we call them scholarships, where we actually loan or um, let players play our assets uh, for free. Um, so they, they, they get to play the game, enter the game, and they earn a, what you call a smooth love potion as rewards. And um, they can convert that uh, to you know, Philippine pesos and uh, purchase uh, food uh, that they can actually provide for their families. Yeah, that's very exciting. So the phrase is play to earn. So they're earning money by playing this game, Axie Infinity. And of course, YGG is making this very accessible and making it economically possible. So that's very exciting. So what I'd love to kind of understand more from you is a little bit about uh, you know your player base, right? So you mentioned that you have a lot of players in the Philippines, uh, you know, which is very exciting. Uh, you know, so I would love to learn, like, what kinds of people are playing in this way? Oh, uh, very interesting. So you actually have various players, um, you know, from, but mostly uh, those that uh, have suffered from, uh, from, you know, like COVID, uh, just because during the lockdown, they're unable to actually go to work, um, open their shops, um, most of them are tricycle drivers, bus drivers, for example, um, those that actually have like physical jobs right in the real world. And um, yeah, so because of COVID, they're unable to, you know, uh, you know, they're unable to make a living. Um, and uh, these guys are mostly those that um, earn a living for like um, in the day. Right. So uh, they work during the day, they make money. And at the end of the working day, they use that uh, money to actually buy food for the family. So they don't really have much savings uh, that they keep for like um, a week or a month, right? So because of the lockdown for that, that actually it was more than um, a month, like two, three months, 
um, yeah, they're unable to access loans. And um, yeah, so mostly those who are unbanked, no access to uh, financial services, uh, those that uh, have suffered from, um, you know, like um, a loss of jobs. That is astonishing that you're providing such a valuable financial service and a means of sustenance for people that are struggling. So I think this is a great achievement. I would love to understand some of the numbers. So I'd love to hear from you a little bit about like traction or, you know, if you can kind of quantify the impact of, of YGG, I, I would love to understand how many people are involved or other such uh, metrics. Yeah, uh, so uh, we started YGG uh, late last year. So October, November uh, from 200 uh, Discord members, for example. Right now, we are more than 13, like maybe 15,000 uh, members on Discord right now. Um, we provide our scholarships through the Discord channel. Uh, so if somebody wants um, a scholarship, they just go on Discord and uh, they just like ping, um, they just you know, register uh, through our Discord channel. Uh, right now, we are almost hitting 2,000 scholars. Uh, so uh, I think, uh, so we are growing really fast in the last like week. You know, we've uh, given 600 scholarships in the past, uh, just last week alone. Uh, so we're ramping that up um, and hopefully um, sooner or later, uh, we'd reach, uh, you know, 10,000 scholars. That's great. And how do the uh, what are the unit economics? So, you know, in terms of like, for example, one scholar, like what is the expected productivity and, you know, how does that impact the guild itself? Right. So uh, in terms of productivity, um, so they earn SLPs. Uh, they could convert that into uh, Philippine peso. So in U.S. dollars term, uh, they could earn up to 800 uh, U.S. dollars um, a month. And uh, that's actually much more than their minimum wage. That's truly amazing. And from the perspective of YGG, like what is, is there a margin or some kind of a cut that comes back to the guild? Oh, yes. So 70% would actually stay with the player. And then, uh, you know, 20% is actually given to the manager. So uh, the manager is the one that actually helps the player um, come on board, make sure that his account is set up. Uh, he knows how to play the game, you know, uh, teaches him, um, you know, like tricks and how to, uh, you know, optimize for his um, SLPs, for example. And then, um, so 70% player, 20% manager, and then 10% uh, goes back to the DAO, uh, YGG. That is tremendous and really exciting, right? So, uh, so out of the $800 in a month, then you would probably see about $80 coming back to the YGG, you know, through the DAO. So that's a, that's exciting value capture and it's exciting value creation. So, you know, congratulations. That's really amazing. So, uh, I would love to understand from you a little bit about sort of how this got started, and then a little bit about kind of how you came into this. Oh, wow. So um, <clears throat> it was last year. Uh, let me see. So 
So Gabby and I, we've actually met each other um, a really long time ago. We've known each other for um, maybe since uh, 2017 uh, during, you know, the ICO period. So I was based in the Bay Area at that time. You know, uh, I was uh, working on a tokenization platform and um, I, I, I visited the Philippines just because we had clients uh, back then. And um, Gabby was really into, you know, Ethereum building on smart contracts. And there were really a few people who uh, really knew the space, uh, you know, uh, deeply in the Philippines. Um, and he was really into gaming at that time. So um, we kept in touch. And um, so um, after, you know, like exiting uh, CapChain, um, I started uh, consulting for, uh, for financial institutions, right? One of them was Union Bank um, in the Philippines. And um, I was, uh, yeah, uh, I was product owner of one of their investment platforms. And um, late last year, uh, COVID happened and everybody had to work from home. So uh, I saw more time really like, uh, tinkering around like DeFi platforms. And I was really surprised that Gabby was really, really deep into it as well. And um, there's really hardly, you know, much people <laughs> you could really, you know, like talk to and share like uh, farming ideas, right? And uh, yeah, Gabby was amazing. So we shared a lot of our like, um, uh, our like strategies, like which farms should we go, um, you know, what protocol should we like touch? Like, uh, so we've been playing around uh, these DeFi protocols. Yeah, so we started with um, yield farming and um, with our other co-founder, Owl. And um, <clears throat> because Gabby was really deeply rooted into gaming, we just thought, what if we actually provided yield farming to gamers, right? How would that look like? And yeah, so this is exactly how Yield Guild Games came about. You know, I'm tremendously excited and gratified. Uh, I do want to make for my audience a disclosure, which is that my fund, Gumi Crypto's Capital, is invested in YGG. So, you know, it is important to be transparent about our uh, holdings, you know, so but I, I do want to say that, you know, from from that perspective, you know, it, it has been very gratifying. You know, we, we also met Gabby, you know, quite a while ago, uh, you know, even in the early days of blockchain, you know, so he's been working on gaming before that and then blockchain gaming since that. So, you know, very, very OG. And, you know, it's great to have as well, you know, someone with your sophistication also joining this team. So it's a it's a really uh, exciting combination. So um, we'd love to kind of get a sense of your big vision because I, I I really feel like this is a, a you know incredibly deep and visionary play. So I'd love to understand a little bit about how you look at the future of this entire space. Oh, very very interesting, uh, Miko. So. I see what we're doing at Yield Guild Games as an intersection between like um, gaming as well as DeFi, right? So we're in that position. Um, so we'd so we'd like to actually, you know, offer various um, DeFi services to a lot of our players uh, who are playing, who are currently um, uh, do not have access to financial, in, uh, you know, a financial institution or uh, or <clears throat> or an account, a, an, a bank account. Excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, so who do not have like access to, uh, you know, like a bank, a bank account. And um, so like right now, we're really like ramping up um, our, our player base. Uh, so we do have, uh, we've been investing in various um, NFT assets, uh, NFT games, and uh, we're looking at um, leasing them out to our players through our scholarship program. 
And um, as soon as we actually like build out that, um, that user base, uh, we're really hoping that uh, we could extend uh, other non-collateralized forms of loans, for example, um, you know, uh, being able to really uh, extend uh, yield bearing, um, you know, like uh, products as well for our players where, you know, our players have the autonomy to actually choose what they want to do with their earnings, right? And the assets that they hold. Uh, so yeah, so that's the first step that we're doing. Um, the second product that we're actually looking is um, a marketplace where, you know, um, YGG becomes like um, a super economy where we allow those that actually hold existing NFT assets to, to loan it out or provide scholarships to our community, right? Just because we already have that community uh, within YGG, uh, we'd like to open that up to those that actually have existing assets, right? And uh, yeah, so uh, we'll have a marketplace where uh, people would loan out, uh, you know, like various assets, um, building out, you know, uh, credibility of um, our community as well. The more assets that they borrow, the more that we learn uh, how many hours they actually spend in the game, you know, which uh, accounts they interact with. You know, once we actually find out more about the players, uh, I mean, you know, uh, it's like a Pandora box, right? For various uh, financial uh, services. I think it's very exciting as a vision, right? Because in a sense, when you talk about provisioning financial services, uh, starting with yield products, right? It's effectively a uh, initially like a guild bank. But if you think about the guild in, uh, in a, as a form of labor union, right? Then in effect, you're also talking about creating a credit union. Right. So, you know, the, this idea of a bank that's, you know, owned by guild membership, you know, and becomes part of this collective power of this of this whole uh, group. So, you know, I think it's a it's a very ambitious. It's a very exciting vision. And I think one of the things that people don't understand that well is they don't understand the scope of the size of the addressable possible base, right? Which is that, uh, so what I'd love for you to comment on is how many humans do you think could get involved in this? Oh, wow. Uh, massive, right? So uh, in the Philippines alone, 70% of the population is already unbanked, right? And um, a lot of them uh, maybe like 40% of that, that's like 30 million, uh, don't actually have, for example, um, documentation to be able to open accounts or they don't really, uh, you know, you actually have a big population that before the pandemic, right? 7% um, is already unemployed. And then you have like 20%, another 20% underemployed, right? So that means to say that you have, another 30 million people uh, in the country that don't really have jobs, right? And um, yeah, so they would, you know, they would seek for, uh, for extra income or income to actually, you know, put food, food on the table. And then on top of that, those that are affected with their current, you know, like um, job during this pandemic um, and uh, yeah, looking for extra income. 
Um, so that's only in the Philippines, right? But think about the world population, 8 billion people uh, in this world and half of them affected by the pandemic, right? So that's 4 billion people. Um, and I really think that you know, um, we would love to actually uh, extend our services to be able to serve them. I think one of the dimensions that I think is understood poorly is the size of the gamer market, right? Which I believe worldwide is something on the order of 2.3 billion gamers, right? And I think that uh, compare that to the size of the crypto market. Right, which is generally measured in hundreds of millions, but definitely not even close to a billion. Right, so I think that you know, in a way, the thing that's so fascinating about what's happened is that YGG is actually opening the door to crypto for first-time crypto users. So you know, it, maybe you can comment a little bit on that, and you know, if I if I have it correctly or not, I'd love to understand how you see uh, this as a first experience for crypto. Yes, absolutely, uh, Miko. So uh, when they actually enter, uh, you know, like Axie Infinity as a game or Zed Run, they don't really need to know that it's it's crypto. It, you know, they don't need to know that it's DeFi, right? Um, what they need to know is you need to have assets, which happens to be NFTs built on the blockchain, right? And um, enter a game and they just play. And through gaming, right, and earning rewards, they really build up financial literacy, because when they start earning rewards, they start like calculating. So how many hours do I need to spend to be able to earn X amount of SLPs? Okay, when I have X amount of SLPs, what do I do with it? Do I reinvest it, right? Or do I spend it to actually put food on the table? Or should I buy my own assets, my NFT assets? And by the way, because there's a marketplace, I could also end up leasing them out to other scholars to help them and earn more yield. So yeah, so from our experience within YGG, it's really fascinating because you could see that their entire like mindset has really changed. Like from somebody who never had a savings account right in the past, now they're thinking, oh, I have extra income right now. Maybe I'll save a little bit to actually buy um, a house. And we've seen players buy motorcycles to houses to be able to, you know, like maybe post pandemic, um, uh, they'd be able to actually like get passengers and earn a living, right? So you could see that they've become semi-entrepreneurs -entre and most of all, they're forming an investor mindset because uh, now they start like optimizing what they do with their resources, which is, um, which is amazing to see. Well, and I think that you have an incredible unit economic, right? Which is that you're really saying that uh, you can earn up to uh, $80 per month per user, you know, if they are, you know, and that's just from the perspective of the DAO, right? So the thing to me that's really compelling is that, you know, if you think about customer lifetime value, right? Like th this is a, already a financial services class uh, ARPU, right? Like this is this is really a non-trivial amount of, uh, you know, revenue that's, you know, value captured by the token. So, you know, I, I think that that the, it's it's to me that combination of, of high uh, ARPU, you know, and then extremely large addressable market, it, you know, it produces this this extremely compelling uh, company or project, obviously it's a DAO, but I guess the thing that is, is the most surprising is that you can do that well by doing that much good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that's the best part. <laughs> yeah, it is astonishing. So I would love to kind of hear in terms of like how you see the the roadmap, right? Because obviously you mentioned sort of yield products and financial services, which of course is an exciting roadmap item. You know, like what else is envisioned? I think you were talking about an open marketplace for lending uh, in-game assets, you know. So I, I'd love to kind of get your feeling about sort of uh, what's on the development uh, pipeline. Right. So um, after that uh, marketplace that we're building, uh, we are looking at extending yield. So we're a DAO, uh, you know, and uh, we'd like to share it to our token holders. And so we will be developing various vaults uh, where, you know, uh, those that actually have and hold YG tokens can actually just take their tokens uh, within the vault and uh, they'd have a share of the, the, the yield uh, that our players are generating. And um, eventually, we'd build out various vaults that have, um, you know, specific that, that are specific to a, an activity. So, for example, um, we could look into a vault that's uh, specific for breathing axes, right? So, uh, if you'd like to extend more scholarships, then um, I'd put in, for example, a hundred thousand US dollars into the vault um, uh, worth of YGG tokens, for example, and then, um, you know. Uh, behind that vault, YGG would start, you know, uh, breeding, uh, you know, and then acquiring, uh, you know, like SLPs and AXS, for example, to actually keep like breeding. So we'll take care of that. And uh, we'll start, uh, you know, while we're breeding these axes, some of it will be loaned out, and then we'll just keep breeding it, you know, until, uh, until the, the, the cost is equivalent to the investment uh, that you've put in. And, um, you will start earning um, SLPs, right? Uh, you know, that's recurring um, SLPs from the number of uh, players that actually have the, 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 the NFT assets. Uh, yeah, so, you know, um, it's, a, it's a vault that uh, would actually have returns of uh, the, the, the activities through uh, breathing. Uh, so that's so... something that, yeah. So, so you mentioned that, you, you know, you're a DAO and obviously the value capture is in like a YGG token, you know, so I, I think for my audience's sake, like I'd love to kind of get a feeling from you as to like what your plans are with respect to the availability of the token or widespread availability. Like, do you have an envisioned schedule or an envisioned kind of uh, a concept of a, of a launch or, or broad availability of YGG token? Oh, yes. So the network launch is uh, end of July. Uh, and uh, yeah, by end of July, we will be, uh, we are looking at um, a sale either on Balancer or Sushi. But I think um, we're actually leaning towards uh, Sushi with the Sushi team on Miso. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll announce uh, more about our sale. We'll share our, uh, our white paper uh, really soon, maybe in two weeks. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. And, uh, you know, it definitely has a mood of something that, you know, is very open. And, uh, you know, I think that that has a potential, quite an exciting uh, potential for listeners and for people in the community that are excited about your work. So uh, I guess what I would love to do as well is is just to get 
sort of an idea, more of an idea about yourself. So, you know, I know you mentioned a little bit about your background, which is exciting, you know, but uh, maybe you can help to share a little bit about your superpower. Like what is, what are the, what are the, what are your special uh, barrel superpowers? You know, how do you see yourself and, you know, how do you see, uh, you know, this, this amazing, uh, you know, mission that you're on? Right. So, uh, yeah, so my background has always been in the finance side, right? And um, I think, uh, so in venture capital, I was based in Shanghai uh, for a bit. And then um, I eventually uh, was very early on um, at coins.ph. So coins is the, the largest, you know, cryptocurrency exchange in the Philippines. Um, I've looked into Bitcoin as an infrastructure to move funds. This was in 2014, 2013, 2014. Amazing. Um, and that's how we actually got into remittances. And um, I was looking at, you know, effective exchange rates. Uh, I was uh, mostly in um, what, like um, in Hong Kong or in, um, in Taiwan, um, really, really like working with OFWs, like our um, Filipinos repatriated from, um, you know, in like other countries remitting like funds. So I spent a lot of time uh, with them. Um, you know, like uh, really understanding, you know, their pain points into like remitting funds. Um, so I think like through that experience and, you know, um, the tokenization side after coins, so this is where Capchain um, is. Oh, by the way, coins was actually acquired by Gojek. Uh, so they're, uh, you know, they're like Uber right. of like um, Southeast Asia. And then like Capchain was a tokenization platform. I feel that my advocacy, right, and I, I do believe that, um, my advocacy is really focused on, you know, like uh, advocating financial freedom and also financial literacy, right? It's about democratizing, you know, capital markets, democratizing, um, you know, access to financial services, right? And making sure that, okay, if users have the autonomy to actually do whatever they want with the funds that the you know the rewards the funds that they own they need financial literacy to make an optimal decision so i feel like freedom and literacy is something that could not be separated um and yeah so this is something that through ygg um is something that i could accomplish right it's an advocacy that i can personally you know like um connect with and uh really you know um so yeah, so that's the reason why um, I personally am really uh, passionate about you know uh, this project at YGG uh, because it allows me to do so, and um, I really really want to build out the yeah uh, more uh, you know financial services for for those that you know never really had access to it. Yeah, that is very compelling. Uh, I know that in a lot of cases, this idea of having a manager within the guild and having the manager be, you know, part of the earning structure is a very, very logical uh, sort of scheme. The thing, you know, especially as a coach and as someone who is, uh, you know, somewhat of an educator, right? So I guess my question would be, you know, do you envision sort of standardization around either training or standardization around educational materials, you know, because it, it does feel like uh, that could produce uh, a little bit of automation on onboarding, you know, and ideally kind of help uh, people who are uh, players to kind of learn uh, more to enable them to be financially empowered, you know, and to understand their long-term financial 
uh, success. So I, I'd love to understand your views on training and education within the player base. Hmm. So maybe I could relate that to my own experience. Uh, I actually learn uh, it sticks to me, right? Like uh, when I make mistakes and I actually experiment, right? Like I learn more through experimentation. But before I experiment, I actually end up, for example, looking into uh, YouTube videos. <laughs> you know, these like YouTube tutorials, right? And then I mm. actually really end up like looking at various tutorials from different people, right? And then when I actually try, when I get the pattern of how things are done, I try it myself, right? So um, so I think with gaming, uh, we see a number of uh, like uh, gaming videos where people actually teach them, okay, um, this is how to open a MetaMask account. Uh, this is how to transfer a little bit of funds onto your MetaMask. And, you know, this is how you actually buy your first NFT assets by, you know, connecting your MetaMask into this site. So we see a lot of videos like that. And that helps a lot, right? Um, so in terms of standardization, so I guess like for me, when I see various videos, you, you, could, act, you could get a sense um, who you know, with the number of viewers as well, right? Um, who's probably, you know, um, legitimate versus somebody who, <laughs> who isn't like legitimate, for example. Um, and then you actually end up, you know, um, selecting, uh, you know, like uh, those that you'd like to follow. Um, so for first time gamers, for example, um, it would really help when you actually put together a list of uh, of you know materials that they could probably look at for time you know yeah. and um, just to guide them but eventually you know because this is autonomous uh, they end up you know selecting uh, what they feel is comfortable so I feel that it's important to engage everybody like educators for example because people have different ways of learning uh, you know um, some people would probably like a particular narrative when they're learning something versus another narrative, right? So I think options uh, is necessary, right? But guidance is, uh, is also necessary. So maybe guilds like what Yield Guild Games can, you know, like provide like an, an initial list, for example, and then, uh, you know, players are free to choose which one they feel more comfortable with. Yeah, I think it makes sense. And I do think that, for example, when you think about scaling, you know, I think you mentioned Indonesia and, you know, obviously there are other uh, languages and geographies. And, you know, so there, they, so from a scaling perspective, like, you know, you, you definitely just can't assume that everybody is in the same language or, you know, so I, I think you're right that there does need to be a little bit more flexibility when it comes to education. But I do think that, you know, from the perspective of participating in open systems, you know, that participation and financial education, you know, are, are absolutely, you know, uh, hand in hand. So uh, I guess the thing that I think I, I'm interested to sort of understand is, um, you know, uh, how do you see kind of the go to market, you know, like it feels to me like YGG right now is experiencing a hyper growth principally through word of mouth like you know how do you see what are the limits to scaling and how do you kind of accelerate scaling 
Oh, that's very interesting. Okay, so um, we realized, so we've raised funding at YGG and that we started acquiring assets through the funds that we've uh, we've raised. And um, we've entered, you know, like um, another round uh, to actually, you know, uh, to be able to acquire more like assets. And we just realized there's only a certain point that we could just keep raising funds um, internally at YGG, right? And uh, so it's really necessary for us to open this up into a marketplace where people could just uh, lease out their own NFTs, right? And um, that way, uh, more scholars can participate. Because like right now, um, if you go to our Discord channel um, at Yield Guild Games, you'll see a number of scholars asking for a scholarship. And we're unable to actually, yes. um, you know, like uh, match their demands right now. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and we're really, really like breathing um, at scale right now. And even, you know, uh, we have like, um, you know, like an MVP that we're reaching out to, or opening it up to uh, partners who would become investors. So it's kind of like our pre-vault right now, um, you know, uh, without the vault, uh, we're testing it out. Uh, we are, you know, uh, asking various uh, groups, for example, um, Index Go Up, uh, for example, uh, to, you know, uh, to participate and uh, you know, like invest to be able to buy their own axes, have their own farm, and uh, onboard uh, their scholars, right? And um, we'll uh, we'll match the scholars within our Discord with with Index Co-op's investment. Uh, so that is some a program that we're uh, working on right now, um, apart from our own you know <laughs> our own funds and you know like breeding. And then next step is really you know the marketplace, um, as I mentioned. So. That is how we could scale. Uh, we would not be able to scale, scale with our own assets, maybe initially just to test out a game, for example, if this, this new game within the blockchain is good, then um, we'll test it out by you know, using our own, like, uh, our own resources. But eventually, if the game is really, really good you know, and more people uh, are, are, you know, are trying the game, uh, we will probably need to open it up, but through partnerships and uh, through, you know, uh, through the marketplace. So it makes me think, and this is something where I would be happy to try to make a good introduction for you, is that the model that you're describing in this particular case is similar to the model of Kiva. So, you know, in the case of Kiva, you know, people around the world are effectively applying for lending you know, from people who are typically in more advantaged countries, right? So one of the models that might be an extremely exciting or favorable model is to replicate something like the Kiva experience. Because in, in Kiva, you know, people are like, oh, I need to buy a wagon and a donkey because I want to bring my handmade goods to the town, right? And if I can buy these items, then I can return your loan with this much interest. Right. So people who are in Kiva are lending money. Right. So to me, it's it, it, perhaps an identical model. And, and it may actually be possible for you to partner with Kiva directly and have people directly applying for scholarship on Kiva and saying, like, we would like people, you know, to give us money to buy axes or to buy some in-game item, you know, which they can return in the form of a loan. So so so, you know, it's a very interesting and proven uh, user interface and model. So I'd, I'd love to hear your comments. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, I, I've not thought about that. <laughs> but yes, I would definitely be open. I think that's a really great idea, uh, especially if we'd like to scale. And uh, really, I think our objective here is to be able to, you know, uh, democratize access to scholarships, right? So uh, yes. if, if Eva is a way to really help us get more and onboard more scholars, uh, we'd definitely be open to it. Wonderful. Well, I will make introductions. Uh, I know, for example, that eBay has opened their global marketplace to sell NFTs. So it just feels like there are so many people on Kiva who are getting yeah. uh, US dollar loans to buy things like sewing machines or to buy things, you know, to buy basically, you know, uh, critical pieces of business infrastructure that they need in order to earn, right? So, you know, in a, in a sense, it's it's the exact Kiva model. And, and people who are users of Kiva, you know, if it's done even through the Kiva website as a partnership, you know, why wouldn't the Kiva website owners be happy to have yeah. hundreds or even thousands of scholars applying to buy things like Axies? So I, I, I'm happy to make that introduction. I think that will be an exciting scalability solution, you know, because they already have tremendous infrastructure and everything can be done potentially through, you know, things like US dollars and credit cards, which is what Kiva mostly uses. That's interesting. Yeah. And also on top of my mind, uh, just because uh, I was talking about the vaults, right? And the vaults would be a smart contract. I, um, and, uh, you know, we could use Kiva or, you know, like you mentioned eBay as the interface, but behind it could actually just be the smart contract. So if anybody just wants to invest, uh, they can just like pay through their credit card and it just goes to this uh, smart contract and the smart contract already automates the the breeding and uh, the allocation of uh, of like assets to scholarships right to scholars um, this would yeah, be that would be so much easier well you know would be... it would I'm sorry, but it would be a beautiful way for you to leverage your experience at coins.ph, right? Because it's very much fiat to crypto and back, right? It's a it's a very interesting on-ramping and transparent user experience. Yes. Yeah, that's very exciting. So uh I think uh with what I what I'd love to get is uh, you know, sort of the big picture right because you know if you describe kind of the big idea like we're imagining potentially even hundreds of millions if not billions of players joining right and and you know this this creates an incredible future potential of a metaverse economy of like a metaverse labor union you know and of this kind of like reorganized relationship between labor and capital, right? So in, in some ways, this is such a kind of counterintuitive transformational device that's almost in the same vein as a privatized, decentralized, universal basic income. So I guess for me, I'd love to have your comments about how does this transform society, you know, and, and you know, what's what's your opinion about sort of the net impact in the long run, because this model is is truly fun, foundational and disruptive. Yeah, so so right now, uh, what we're quite certain within the, we are certain within uh, YGG is that, you know, jobs would start migrating to the metaverse, like virtual worlds, right? And uh, gaming plays a really important role because uh, I see gaming as meta, like, um, like these uh, 
smaller like economies within you know the entire metaverse ecosystem or you know economy and um each of these games would have would you know would target various skills so for example um axie infinity today would be skills to battle um you know like a for battling right and then you'd probably have another game that uh is kind of like a tetris kind and then another game that's like maybe requires more mathematical skills right and then a game that's more of like for example for kids spelling bee or you know like um, it could be various games that target particular skills right and um and yeah i i could actually see that uh that you know, uh, as time goes by, there would be more uh, game developers building, you know, tremendous games on the blockchain uh, and following the the kinds of token economics that Axie Infinity has, because Axie Infinity has such an amazing, um, you know, economic model with, uh, you know, how their NFTs work and how the breeding concept works um, by using, for example, by producing uh, smooth love potions and then destroying SLPs if they start like uh, breathing as well, right? So they have a certain, um, uh, you know, like a um, way of, there's an interaction between uh, these uh, tokens within the Axie uh, economy, right? And games should look into, for example, Axie to pattern how the token economics work. And so if that happens, now we're seeing that Axie is working, right? And um, I could see that a lot of game developers will just keep like, uh, you know, uh, deploying um, and becoming like more creative into building their own economy um, into the metaverse. And that's when we'll see even more players coming in because now they can start choosing which game they want in the metaverse and it becomes much, much more diverse, uh, yeah. Yeah, it is very exciting, right? Because when you look at an Axie, like an Axie is a beautifully made, fully formed, playable game that can be experienced in a mobile environment. So the requirements are not super steep. You don't need like a big graphics card and a game class PC or anything, right? So I think it's very, very accessible, you know, and I think it's the first kind of perfect example of play to earn economics, right? But I think the thing that becomes very exciting is that it's really just the first example of a whole class of games, you know? And I think that with YGG animating the economy of the game, right, then it becomes this very exciting partnership, you know? And I think that there are many potentially up and coming games. So what I'd love to kind of hear from you are, you know, are you looking at any promising new games? And if so, like what, 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 what new games, you know, are you excited about, you know, which ones are you excited to introduce to your player base? Like how, how what do you see? Do you see potentially exciting games coming down the pike? Yeah. So uh, we've actually invested in uh, F1 Delta, Illuvium. Uh, we're also in um, Sandbox as an example. Uh, quite recently, we participated in um, Ember Sword. Uh, yeah, it's actually on Matic, so uh, there is a lot of scalability uh, it's happening as well. Uh, Zed Run Two, uh, so there, you know, it's it's quite similar to Axie Infinity, where you actually buy these horses and you start like breeding them, and uh, there's all it's also very much like land economy, where uh, land uh, based, 
where you know you can actually start buying uh race tracks for example so so yeah so those are the kind of like patterns that we look at uh they need to be nft based uh or built on the blockchain uh they need to have some sort of like um they you know it has to be a, a land-based economy too um yeah and uh it has a play to earn uh economics where when people actually play the game they actually earn rewards that can soon be converted to uh you know fiat or you know like goods uh, in the real world so those are uh three criteria that we really look at when we select the games that we back that's very exciting and uh <clears throat> you know i do think that it will be important for you to have your own sort of uh, capital base as you develop as a DAO, because you know you will want to make investments into these games, even if you uh, uh, launch your open marketplace. So you know I do think that having a guild bank with guild items, you know, uh, it, is uh, it makes sense, right? It makes a lot of sense to have collectively owned assets as part of a guild, you know, and it's something that I think traditional uh, RPG players and you know traditional guild game players, you know, understand. So, you know, I, I think this is exciting. Uh, in terms of kind of the guild organizational structure, like how do you see the development of the structure? Okay. So right now, the it's still very much like the team, right? Because uh, the founders, for example, started this. So we make a lot of the decisions. And yes. eventually uh, we have people in the community, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, coming in, and then we actually in, uh, we also raised funds for the investors. So these are the early participants of the DAO. But eventually, when we do the sale, uh, you know, the the decision making would eventually be much more um, decentralized, where uh, community members start participating. They could, you know, push for their own, uh, you know, proposals. Uh, voting will start like happening. Uh, and eventually, when you know the lock, uh, the lock, um, the, the lock-in period of participants are kind of how do you call this? Like um, they unlock, for example, uh, and when they actually start selling the tokens, more participants as well in the community can even participate, right? So, so yeah, so we'll be doing um, a couple of airdrops as well to make sure that we engage more of the community. Um, uh, yeah, so we encourage. Uh, you know, people passing their own proposals, uh, voting as well. And so decision-making will not have to uh, rely on, you know, the, the, the founders, the, the members and investors. So that's the, the, that's the plan now. That's exciting. And, uh, you know, it's been absolute pleasure having you on the Mikowitz show. And, uh, you know, definitely welcome back uh, anytime. So really appreciate uh, all your insights. Thanks, Miko. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> you bet.